This is the Talking Property Podcast, brought to you by Rewed.com, the home of WA Real Estate. Thank you for listening to Talking Property, the show in which we discuss all aspects of real estate. Now, here is your host, Harvey Deegan, together with our expert commentators, Rob Druitt and Rod Bryan. Welcome to Talking Property, everyone, and I think you're going to be fascinated by our two guests who are on this edition of Talking Property because they're in the legal profession. It's so critical in property to know where you're going when you need legal representation, and there's no one better than MDS Legal, and we'll be speaking to Paul Donovan and Helen Burnside shortly. Welcome back to Talking Property and our very special guests on the podcast today are from MDS Legal, Paul Donovan and Helen Burnside. Welcome along. Thanks, Harvey. Great to be here as always. It's great to see property going so well and to be here today to talk about it. And you represent a lot of organisations as far as advice on property is concerned. Rewa, of course, are one of your clients or you're one of their clients. You must see a lot of interesting disputes, shall we put it that way, in the course of a, a week or so. Yeah, you do. Look, obviously what we're trying to do primarily is to avoid people getting into disputes or if they are in fights that they be dealt with as quickly and efficiently and with as least pain as possible. Sometimes that's not an outcome that's able to be achieved. That's probably where Helen and I do most of our specialisation because we're involved in litigation but always the best way to do is to try to resolve something before it becomes ugly. Conciliation process Helen, how does that work and I don't know if you can give me a percentage of issues that you sort out through conciliation rather than having to go through the legal process? Well, I suppose in terms of going through the legal process doesn't mean that something's not going to be resolved relatively amicably. A statistic that we raise with our clients is that of writs issued in the Supreme Court, so that's when a legal process has been initiated. After they've been initiated, still 98% of cases settle and don't go to trial. And that's quite commonly through the mediation process. So the court has a mandatory mediation process because the courts recognise that cases are expensive and people don't always get the outcomes they want. And so it's usually in the interests of the parties to come to a mediated settlement. On the other hand, there are cases that can settle before you even get to that stage and um, it's harder to put a figure on those because you know you sort of you can't see evidence of absence evidence of disputes that aren't there I'm sure a lot of people would be quite amazed at those figures 98% of cases are solved through mediation yes and wow. so these days having a trial we're talking civil litigation mm-hmm. here rather than criminal but having a trial is quite a rare event so if you look at the online listing each day of court cases it's rare for a matter to go to trial it still do happen but nowhere near the percentage going to trial as we used to happen in the old days. Well, I know Rob and I know you, Rod, have got plenty of questions starting with you, Rob. So, Paul and Helen, in litigation matters, if you do find yourself, unfortunately, in court, and obviously there's different courts, isn't there? Local court, district court, Supreme Court. What sort of costs are involved? Well, that depends on how far you go down it. If you get to a trial, the reality is most trials are going to be very expensive, particularly if you're in the higher courts. Yes. And so that's one of the reasons that people have such an incentive to try to settle cases. But even a simple matter in court, we'd still be talking thousands and thousands, wouldn't we? Yeah, if you engage lawyers who are experienced in commercial areas, it's usually an expensive exercise. Now, sometimes that can't be avoided, but always what you want to try to do is 
is to put yourself into a best position of reaching some form of compromise. And that's why, I guess, majority are settled prior, because Correct. if you're looking at going to trial and it's going to cost you 10, 20 grand, whatever it is, then the matter might be only over $10,000 or 20000 and it's hardly worth burning that all up and uh, you still haven't resolved. It is. And, and that's why in the magistrate's court in particular that deal with those smaller debt issues, there's, it's these days uncommon for lawyers to be acting in them, or at least to the same extent that they used to. That's still not to say that lawyers have no role, they do, mm. but there's a lot of self-representation in those lower courts. And indeed, in the magistrate's court, there's certain jurisdictions where lawyers can't appear as a right that have to have Residential Tenancies Act. Yeah, Residential Tenancies Act, obviously, or also mm. minor claims for less than $10,000. Yeah, and that obviously to, to mitigate the costs that are involved. Exactly. Now, the other legal side of things, and Rod, we see this quite a bit, don't we, in selling properties, is when there's been obviously an unfortunate death in the family. There's a property there. The family then want to sell the property. There's obviously a lot of legal ramifications of that and a lot of misunderstanding amongst people. Sometimes they think, oh, yeah, look, we can just go ahead and sell the property. But obviously there's a lot of um, important aspects in in relation to authority once the person has died and you've got beneficiaries involved, executors. Could you just maybe explain to some of our listeners how that works for a family? Yeah, so very often what will happen is people with the best of faith in the world, someone will die and then their spouse or their children will dig out an old will and they'll see that Billy's been made the executor and so Billy then goes off and starts organising everything to do with the sale of the house and all of those sorts of things. Now, unfortunately for Billy, Billy may not even know he's found a piece of paper that has his name as the executor be the person who's actually legally entitled to deal with it because until the will has been admitted to probate, which is still a thing, probate is that proof of the will and the formal granting of the person as being the executor, until that happens or there's an alternative such as letters of administration being granted, the person doesn't have authority to be directing the sale of land or the dealing in land and that creates a real problem if Billy then finds out that actually his sister Mary has got a will that mm. was mm. written 12 months will. Yes. <laughs> afterwards and then there's a <coughs> dispute about things like the person's capacity and, and that sort of stuff. So in the sale of property issue then um, Helen we come across instances quite frequently where real estate agents will ring us up saying who should we be dealing with? Mm. Yeah so um, often in cases people will think particularly if they're a sole child or the spouse of the deceased oh well it's going to go to me anyway so I have the authority to deal with, with this. Yeah. And so um, in the case of a spouse, if they were joint tenants in the property, then they will have the ability, after they put in the transmission application, they'll... Because there's automatic there's a, survivorship. Automatic, they have the right yeah. of survivorship. But otherwise, mm. you need to have the personal representative, so the executor or the administrator has to deal with it, because the real estate agent themselves uh, puts themselves in legal jeopardy if they're dealing with someone in relation to the sale of the property who is, doesn't actually have the legal right to deal with it. Mm. So just to simplify it, you have a will, but just because that's a document doesn't mean that people can act upon it. It's then got to be ratified, is it? Is that in effect, in yeah. effect tr- And that's done probate. through the court? Or- yes, it's done through the Supreme Court. court. This is a probate division of the Supreme Court. Usually these things are uncontested, yeah. but until the will is put 
to the probate division of the Supreme Court and the actual grant of probate is provided, or if there's no will or executor, it can be letters of administration. So that's um, what you mean by letters of administration. The court comes in and says, okay, there's no will, therefore this is how the estate will be dealt with. Yeah, and without wanting to get too much into the complexities of that, it will usually be a spouse or the oldest child, and if there's other competing interests for people who could also apply for letters of administration, those people consent to the named person becoming the administrator. So that's usually pretty straightforward, but the problem arises when there are these disputes. But just picking up on the point that Helen made, I just want to stress is that when there is someone who has died who is a joint tenant in ownership of a property, Mm. which is frequently the case in Western Mm. Australia when someone is a spouse, then it automatically goes to that person. The will does not have a role to play when there is a joint tenancy. No matter what the will says. No matter what the will says. It's distinct from when there is a tenancy in common. If there is a tenancy in common, then the estate of the deceased person is the only entity. Yep. Paul, how do you go when over the years I've dealt with people that have had a lot of property and some of those people don't even know what property they own? I'm not trying to be funny, but what do you do if you've got somebody that's extremely wealthy property-wise and somebody's saying, well, we think Dad owned this and this and this, is that your role as well that you've got to go and have a a hunt around to find out what exactly that they do own? Mm. And how do you go about that? Well, one of the primary roles of an executor is to identify the assets Mm. and liabilities of the deceased and then to go and locate anything Mm. that may not be easily found. So title searches can be done, and of course that can become difficult if people use different names. Trusts and so on. Then you have those sorts of issues if Mm. they've been corporate holdings, so they may not own it in their own name. They may own all the shares in a company that owns a whole lot of properties, or they may own property overseas. A few years ago, Helen and I dealt with a matter where a woman had millions of dollars of property overseas, and that's where really the fight that existed between Mm. the various people who were interested became relevant. Well that's terrific stuff. Thank you very very much to both of you but you're not going anywhere you two because we've got you on the whole podcast uh, today. It's very very interesting stuff that we're talking about so take a little break and we shall be back with you again shortly. It doesn't matter where you live in Western Australia, Rewa can help you search for your ideal home. Rewa is Western Australia and it knows our state well. With access to information and Rewa agents right throughout WA, Rewa gives you peace of mind when deciding about where your next house will be and how to source the best information by being put in contact with Rewa agents who know their districts very well. People like to shop and buy local. With Rewa, you can also search local. Go to rewa.com when seeking any information at all about property in your chosen area or use rewa.com to research the ideal location for you. Rewa knows Perth and all WA cities and towns very well. For all your property needs, visit rewa.com, the home of WA real estate. Welcome back to our Talking Property podcast and we are speaking with the two representatives we've got in the studio today from MDS Legal, Paul Donovan and Helen Burnside. There's a few other really important questions too. What what happens where there isn't a will? Well, in that sort of case, the person has died what people refer to as intestate and 
there's an ability to go to the Supreme Court and make an application for the letters of administration that Helen and I referred to earlier. And when you then appointed the administrator, that's either because there was no will or there was a will and the executor's predeceased the deceased or has renounced and doesn't want to act as the executor. But when you don't then have a named executor get the power to be the personal representative, then you have the person who is called the administrator. So they're really interchangeable, they have the same effect, but... The point is, is that if you die without a will, it is a lot more difficult for mm. you to, first of all, for the person who is going to apply to become your personal representative. And secondly, of course, you then as the deceased haven't got to say where your estate is divided. It's divided in accordance with schedules that are in the Administration Act. Helen, sometimes that gives rise to some disappointment for people and difficulties, particularly if there's oh, a spouse and, 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 and children. Spouse doesn't inherit everything and um, yeah, or second marriages yes, and extra children or it gets yeah, complicated. Um, it's, a lot of disputes arise either when someone hasn't, mostly hasn't properly planned for their death and so they either have no will or a very poor will that it's hasn't been updated. not on the top updated. of the list for people yeah, well, no, no, one, <laughs> no one really likes to be. think about it because none yes. of us really want to think about the fact we're going to die mm. one day. But mm. it does make life more difficult for your um, Well, it makes it very survivors. hard for the people as yeah. survivors. Or and divorce marriage, they're all things that invalidate wills and mm. people sometimes don't bear that in mind. So from our perspective Rod and myself as a real estate agent our authority, who do we get our authority from when you're in this situation, we have a client come to us and say look, the mother passed away, we'd like you to sell the house or, or to manage it we need it to be done immediately. We go well, wait a minute, we really, technically we can't do anything until no. probate's gone through. That's right yes, and sometimes... But you need to be practical about these things, don't you? You do and very often people just turn a blind eye to all of this and they just sail through it and no one's asked any questions and eventually not contested in my earlier example Billy goes off Mm. he gets his probate and no one asks any questions but the problem is is that sometimes people do ask those questions so probate can be obtained urgently can be obtained if the Supreme Court can be convinced that a matter is urgent. They can grant probate within a few days. And Helen, we've come across some matters recently that have been in dispute where people might be arguing about which is the valid will. And there's an ability also for the Supreme Court to be able to step in and appoint a manager, isn't there? Yeah, so under the Administration Act, there's an ability to appoint a manager receiver to deal with it rather than wait for an administrator to be sorted out. So the difficulty can arise, say, in a property management process where it may be that the person dies and the next week there are then urgent matters that need to be attended to. Now, technically, the real estate agent can no longer rely upon the authority that the (laughs) deceased gave. They need an authority from the person who is the personal representative. What happens when there's no personal representative? The best thing is a person has to be either appointed the personal representative urgently or you need one of these managers appointed by the court. That can be a problem if you're managing a rental property if you're a real estate agent or if you're then trying to sell a property urgently and you can imagine the issue that arises with someone who may be on the cusp of affecting a sale property has been on the market for months and months and then just before the deceased goes to sell and sign the offer and acceptance accepting a good offer they die what happens then do you lose then the ability to be able to sell the property the answer is you've got to go off and get that urgent get the right authority Mm -hmm. yeah and that begs the question, well, what about when you're in a contract and the person dies? 
In that sort of situation, the contract's been entered into by the deceased, so his estate does pick state up. State takes the, over it. Yeah, it takes over. But there'd it be over, some delays, likely to be delays. It could be, but generally they can be overcome. There's some urgent steps that need to be taken, but they can be overcome. Yeah, That's the, the estate thing. just continues on with the transaction. The buyer's obviously safe because they've transacted to buy the property. Correct. And you can't sort of, in effect, if you're a buyer and you heard that the sellers die, that's not a reason to get out of the contract. <laughs> you can't sort of get a snap on that's a get-out-of-jail-free yeah. card. That doesn't work that way. And with people's wills, how often should they update them? Helen, what do you think about that? Well, probably when, if and when their circumstances change. If there's any change. Marriage. Yeah. If, there's, if there's been a marriage, divorce, or another child child's born, born, something like that. There's trigger points probably that, that you'd say, right, okay, something's changed here. I better make sure that my will is up to date. Yeah, yeah. sometimes people have... I've um, fallen out with that yeah. <laughs> family member now. Um, there's, there's, <laughs> cut them out. If you're going to cut people out as well, there's, <laughs> you should be careful in the way that you do that to make sure that that, that sort of sticks. And other things people think about are making allowances for, say, disabled children, setting up trusts, that sort of thing, you know, the circumstances can be changing all throughout your life. So the complication is with if there's a number of wills, isn't there, and when they were done and how they were done. And was the person of capacity when they entered mm. into their second will and... Entered into uh, a will a week were, before they died. Correct, <laughs> or a couple of days, or yes. were they subject of undue influence? Yes. Uh, yeah, did they move in with one of their children and then shortly afterwards... There's a new will. There's a new will and, yes. you know, and... So all of those things can and do give rise to some major litigation and it's pretty sad when you see it but on the other hand it does arise and that's why people have to be particularly careful when they're selling property as to whether they really do have that authority. More reason to get get the right advice. Do you find that you can find yourself in awkward positions a lot of the time in the sense that if you're not telling people what they want to hear that all of a sudden they want to change lawyers for example so they can they feel they can get a different result from someone else? Do you find that? Yeah look sometimes but mm-hmm. most people do understand the need to listen to their yeah. lawyers properly and so long as you're sensitive to giving that advice mm. and explain, look, I'm not here to tell you what you want to know, I'm here to tell you what the law is. Yes. Some very interesting questions there, Rob. And Rod, could I just ask one other question? It's a bit of a hobby horse. It used to be a hobby horse when they had the program. we had the program on radio, the dividing offences debate. Is that still form a great um, There's still lots of fences out there, mate. Yeah, There's still right. problems. Uh, a great percentage for work that you do? Well, not actually a huge percentage of the work we do because of the issues we were talking about earlier, that usually it's too expensive to engage lawyers mm. in to respect fight in to mm. fighting over divided fences that might all be over 1000 or $2,000. But on the other hand, they are matters that give rise to a lot of heat, and we see that frequently, don't we, Helen? Yeah, uh, the adage that good fences make good neighbours is probably true mm. in but this w- context. But where the issue comes, and maybe this will be the subject of a later segment that we might give, but there is that issue then of what do you do when you're selling your house and it's subject to a Dividing Fences Act dispute, but that's that's a whole new topic. It doesn't just go away on its own. It's it either doesn't. resolved or it's still a festering problem. Yeah. Well, there are many, many more things we could talk about. I think time's our enemy, so could I please ask both of you, and I know how busy you are, to join us again for another episode of Talking Property in the near future. Love to, Harvey, and it's always a pleasure to be here. And how do people get in touch with MDS Legal? You can look us up on the web on mdslegal.com.au or you can give us a call on 9325 9353. Paul, thank you. Helen, thank you very much indeed. We'll be back in just a moment.
Paul Donovan and Helen Burnside. Boys, well, I'm not surprised that Rewa use MDS Legal for their legal representation because they really know their stuff. It's always good to have them on the show and very interesting subject about you know family estates and selling the property. There's a lot of legal ramifications and understanding that. And of course, if you do end up being an executor, well, it's, it's a big responsibility. So fascinating to hear what they've got to say about uh, all of the complications of, I guess, when you have a death in the family and the property needs to be mm. sold. They do explain it really well too, both yeah. of them. Mm. You, know, you could imagine that they'd be very successful in what they do because I'm sitting there listening and I'm sort of take, you know, taking it in. Mm. They don't sort of talk over the top of you or above you. They make it pretty simple for me and understandable. Very good. Yeah, no, they're terrific. And we'll have them on the show again soon. Folks, thanks for listening to us today and we hope you'll join us when next we present for you Talking Property. Now, if you would like to join us on Facebook, just search for Talking Property Podcast. Our website is at www.talkingproperty.net.au. And you can listen to us on several podcast platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Anchor. And remember, if you want to learn about the Western Australian property market, just go to rewa.com for the best available information. Thank you for listening to this podcast of Talking Property with Harvey Deegan, Rob Jewett and Rod Ryan.